Welcome to the Appalachian Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the Brushy Fork Institute at Berea College. We're a podcast that hopes to strengthen you and enrich all of Central Appalachia as we work, live, and grow together. Hello, everyone. This is Troy Price, your host for today's episode, and we've got a a special episode here for you. On November 15th at the Center for Rural Development in Somerset, Kentucky, there was an annual gathering of those interested in submitting a proposal during the 2017 FlexiGrant process. What is a FlexiGrant, you may ask? I'll read to you a two-sentence summary taken from the Technical Assistance Guide for Applications for the Kentucky FlexiGrant Program. It reads that FlexiGrant funds are intended to support short-term projects that help develop local capacity. Eligible activities may also include collaboration among communities in support of existing and emerging regional development efforts. You probably hear in that a broad definition with lots of potential applications. And on the 15th at the FlexiGrant gathering, we listened to several presentations of approved FlexiGrant projects, and it ran the gambit, which you'll hear in just a second. Let me tell you a little bit about the details of the 15th. It started out with a community project showcase, which was simply just several tables set up to showcase the past projects with the project coordinators there to explain what happened. I walked through the showcase and was able to interview three project coordinators that told me about their events. I'm going to share that with you in just a second. But during the formal presentations of the day, There were speakers that ranged from federal Appalachian Regional Commission staff from D.C. that flew in for this event, people from the governor's office in the Office of Local Government in Frankfurt, representatives from the Center for Rural Development, as well as staff from the Brushy Fork Institute. Each of us spoke briefly. And then we turned the podium over to other Flexi Grant Project coordinators so that they could highlight what their project did for their community. I was able to record the last presenter of the day and want to share some of what she shared with everyone gathered. So sit back and relax and listen to this interview with Lynn Blankenship from Metcalf County. Then we're going to listen to Lynn Tatum from Rockcastle County and David May from McGoffin County as they describe their projects that they just completed. So we're here at the Community Showcase, and I'm walking by a table, and I see pictures of some young kids chopping up some vegetables, and there's a a young boy sewing uh, on a bank of sewing machines. There's four or five there, and then some some kids in a cave as well. I uh, grab Lynn Blankenship. So what am I seeing? What you're seeing is um, the results of a day camp for young children, second through fourth grade, that we conducted in Metcalf County, Kentucky, for children from limited resource families. 
So we had components for nutrition education because we know that some of these families have a hard time accessing fresh foods and a lot of these kids don't have a lot of experience with fresh fruits and vegetables, let alone preparing those kinds of foods. So we did that. We had a sewing project where kids learned straight line sewing, utilizing homemaker volunteers from our community, which gave those homemakers an opportunity to share their skills with sewing and heritage craft. And um, they, those children also learned about a local resource that's a not-for-profit camp for children with high medical need nearby. And uh, they each made two pillowcases. They got to keep one to take home, and they got to donate one to Camp Courageous, which is a camp locally for high medical need children. So um, that was a great service learning project aspect. Um, and then we took two field trips, which were huge. One was to a local museum so kids could learn about their culture and history from South Central Kentucky. Um, only one of our camp participants had previously accessed this museum, which is actually a free museum. And so we were able to connect those families to that free educational resource in the community. And then Mammoth Cave National Park and Biosphere Reserve, which is about 45 minutes away in our one of our neighborhoods counties and again only one of our camp participants had previously been there so we took the kids on a three-mile tour which was called the domes and drips tour and they learned all about the caves um, some of them had to overcome fears and it was just a very very rewarding experience for everyone involved we had two fathers that chaperoned um, and it was great to have father involvement in that program too and it was the Flexi Grant that helped you bring that all together? The Flexi Grant provided the funding and the structure for the planning and the partnerships that we needed to make it happen. Good deal, good deal. Well, thank you for explaining that to me. You're Lynn. welcome. I'm here in the Community Showcase, and I've run into Lynn Tatum. Lynn, tell us about the project that you're presenting at the, your table, and okay. also you're speaking today, right? That is right. Okay. And I'm very yep. glad to be here again. Uh, the project we completed in 2016 was the Frontier Westward Movement, and we ended up uh, kind of refining that title to Local History and Long Hunter Museum. So it's, it's ended up being a, a great space. Uh, we're focusing on the early Kentucky long hunters. And the good thing that came out of this project is Sam Compton, who's the president of the Boone Society, likes what we've done, and he's going to include us in his project, which is uh, educating about uh, Daniel Boone's Boone's Trace. And he wants to make our museum room an educational stop, and he's going to develop a curriculum so uh, schools can have field trips. I appreciate so much what you just said because it's it's almost I see a pattern in your work where you do your part is a little part but it connects to someone larger and something bigger and something bigger it turns into something than just a mini grant can actually afford well that's absolutely true uh, going into this you never know where it's gonna go uh, you know you put together a plan and you you try to follow it but it, it takes on its own life and generates a new life sometimes and it's very exciting uh, with ARC it has definitely been a building effect for the little town of Livingston I'm gonna be talking about that today I just went back through my files and we actually started in 2009 and uh, each year we've been fortunate to receive a grant uh, to do all kinds of projects and uh, it has led 
Livingston down a very positive road. It became a Kentucky trail town. Um, we have people moving into the area now. Uh, it, it's just nothing but positive for the residents that live there and for the people that come to visit now. All right, very good, very good. What would your contact information be if somebody listens to this and wants to follow up? Well, uh, I'm Lynn Tatum. I'm with the Rockcastle County Development Board. Uh, my number is 606-308-4646, or you can email me at kyltatum, T-A-T-U-M, at yahoo.com. All right, thank you so much, Lynn. Oh, thank you, Troy. My pleasure. I'm standing here with David May. David, introduce yourself for the project that you just completed. Okay, my name's David May, and I'm with the city of Sayersville. And uh, the project that we have completed is Discover Historic Sayersville. And the reason I named it that, I think a lot of people there aren't aware of what a unique and rich history that we have in our small town of Sayersville. And I would especially like for the youth to be able to... to uh, uh, grab hold of that to realize, to come to the realization how hard that their ancestors worked to make the community that we have. Gotcha. Now, what I appreciate about your program is that you had uh, signage was a piece of it, but anybody can point you to any direction. You took it an extra step so that people could learn about the history. Tell us about that. Well, what we did, we incorporated QR coding on the signs, uh, just a small two-inch square QR code that links to a website. And the actual sign points to a facility or something that exists there now. But the beauty of the QR coding is that it you can also illustrate to have pictures and narrative about what used to be there and the history that went into the buildings that were there beforehand. And another good thing about the QR coding, it's an evolving thing. It's something that will be hopefully uh, done for years to come and that people will think about something else. It also offers you the uh, opportunity to segue into different things, just like uh, well, a bridge going to the park that crosses a river, and you can show where there's been historic flooding. Uh, our community center, one of our signs, the Lloyd M. Hall Community Center. And with that, uh, not only the building and what used to be there, a grade school and the McGoffin Institute before that, but also Lloyd M. Hall. Who was he? What did he contribute to the community? There's just all kinds of different ways that you can angle off or segue into something else. And going forward, your expenses are just going to be maintaining a website rather than changing a sign each and every time that's you want to right, say something. That's right. That's right. That's it. That's the beauty of a little vinyl QR code sticker that can be changed as, as need be. Plus, it's a buy-in, and, and, and coincidentally, Pokemon came about right after this. I'd never heard of anything like that, but it's something that the youth buy into, and it's something everybody now, virtually everyone has smartphones, especially the young people. Right, and you had a class that actually did some of the website yeah, worker we research. Our, our gifted and talented students at McGough County High School, and they're working on it now, and they're going to keep working on it uh, as they find out things and get out and discover, uh, they'll do more for on the websites that are linked by the QR codes, and we'll keep those updated as need be. Right. Well, David, what is that website so people can just go to it and see wherever they listen to this? You know, they have, the students uh, have developed websites on their own. That was part of their learning experience. I hope to later on have that link to the city of Sayersville.com.
But so cityofdialyersville.com is where they can that, come? That will be. That's that's coming up. Sure. And if they, they want to contact you, though, they that's can That's right. Anybody can, you can do that, or uh, you can contact me at that, or cityofsayersville at gmail.com is my email address. And I'll be glad to help anybody uh, any way I can. If they wanted to pursue a similar project, I can tell them about everything from, from installing the signs to the experience that I've had. Because you did it all, right? That's right. <laughs> all right. That's well, right. thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Lynn, David and Lynn, thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed and sharing your projects. Now I want to share with you that formal presentation that I mentioned. Her name is Vanda Rice. She's from Clay County. Let's just jump right in about midway through her presentation and carry it all the way to the end. Here we go. Because sometimes, sometimes your people need to put some blood, sweat, and a little bit of money into something that they want to see happen. So what we did is we got donations from our people. We had an old man who was in his 70s that said, I don't know how to restore swimming bridges. So we got all this together, and so we restored that first swimming bridge there in Manchester, Kentucky. And we have turned that bridge, the bridge to our future. You can come downtown Manchester, you can walk that bridge. And so, there again, I want you to come. So Joy Jinks told us, therefore your networking is, Joy Jinks told us, she said, if you name it, you claim it, you get legislator to stamp it, then you are it. So now, Clay County is the land of swinging bridges. The legislature had a resolution back in 2014, so we have that title, the land of swinging bridges. So we also took those things and then we were able to build a stage through the ARC funding in a beautiful place called Pioneer Village near Manchester, Kentucky. That stage is used for so many things. And so uh, what we did is, is uh, we have a festival that's called the Saltworks Appalachian Homecoming. So therefore we're using our history again. Use your history. Your history is there. Maybe it's not so good. Maybe some of it is good. Use your history to build your future. And so we took that history of the salt making industry, which is what made Manchester what it is. There's brine water that's underneath the property there in Manchester. Even today, if we drill down, we could bring up brine water. You could boil that water off and you could have salt. All right, that's how Manchester was, was funded. And so that's the name, the Saltworks Appalachian Homecoming. It's a bluegrass festival that's held annually on Memorial Weekend. So I invite you once again to come to Manchester. All right, and then this project that we did this year is probably the peak. It's the most wonderful thing I've ever been involved in, I suppose. And it was called Salt of the Earth. Our people, and I think I could probably talk for almost every Appalachian town in this room. The people in Appalachia have been looked down upon, talked bad about, saying we're not good, you know, and it's just like, and I will say this, Marky and I were in Vanceburg, Kentucky in 2014. We were up there with uh, Dr. Gear again learning how to do stories. It was at that time the New York Times released an article that said Clay County is the hardest place to live in America. 
Mark and I looked at each other. So we didn't know whether to cry. We didn't know whether to get drunk. <laughs> or we didn't know whether to take our seat bed. So we just decided, through the encouragement of Rodney Wolfenbarger and Richard Gere, he said, they said, take that publicity, turn it around, and use it to your advantage. So what we have done in Manchester, living in the hardest place in America, is we have decided that we're tough. If you live in the hardest place, you're strong, you're tough. So come see us. Come see the hardest place in America there is to live. So we took that. Our people were beaten down by so many things, but when we did salt of the earth, salt of the earth is very important. Salt, you put salt in all your food, almost. But when we did this production, we took the history of Clay County and we used a local playwright. Some of you may know Ann Shelby. We were able to use a local director. Doc, or he's not a doctor, but he should be. Donnie Stevens. We were able to use local people. All of our local people, Monkey Dumplings, our community performance group, our tiger troop from the high school, it was very intergenerational. And so we began working and did the script. We began working in August on this production, on this outdoor drama. We worked, we met three nights a week, practicing, working on this performance. And so we actually performed this September 30th and October 1st of this year. The sustainability part of this is, you guys may have heard of Jenny Wiley. Not that we would ever be Jenny Wiley. Or you might have heard Stephen Foster's story. Not that we would ever be Stephen Foster. But every year at the Saltworks Appalachian Homecoming, we're gonna do Salt of the Earth. So therefore, every year, our people are learning history, our people are being brought back together. There's a pride in that. And I cannot stress enough to you how important that is, is for your people to be proud of something that they have done. So our hopes are, because Anne was only able to go from 1750 to 1862, that's about the turn of the Civil War, when the Civil War was going on. She was only able to take us there with Shaping Clay Part 1. Our dream is to do Shaping Clay Part 2, which would take us from the Civil War up to about the 1920s or the 1930s. We have not given up. We will continue. But you build upon all these things, all of the things that the ARC has, offered, has afforded us the opportunity from brushing for, from friends like you, from networking. You build upon all that. You go, you learn, you bring it back home to your people. And we have a huge volunteer base. We're an all-volunteer group. We don't get paid for anything we do. You couldn't pay me to work this hard. So I, I like say to you as I close today, because I know, the days, I know the day is growing long. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the Appalachian Regional Commission, to Brushy Fork, to friends like you. You have helped to make Manchester what it is.
And that is what we have for you for this episode of the Appalachian Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, you can send me an email at troy.price at berea.edu. Again, that's troy.price at berea.edu. And if you're interested in the FlexiGrant program, more information can be found at Brushy Fork, B-R-U-S-H-Y-F-O-R-K dot org. Go there and find FlexiGrant over in the right. Thanks so much for listening. 